Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You're listening to the BBM Global Network with 25 years in broadcast audio and video production. Our passionate team creates content and marketing for the world of Internet talk radio. If you've got a passion, come join us at bbmglobalnetwork.com. The BBM Global Network. Your voice is now heard. Welcome to Dare to Soar with your host, Dr. R.C. Dr. R.C. will empower, encourage, and strengthen you. She will help you to soar to your highest potential while instilling hope. Please welcome the host of Dare to Soar, Dr. R.C. Our NESW Codes of Ethics provides a framework of value, principles, and standards to guide our practice. In addition to our responsibilities, students, families, and colleagues we serve. The Code of Ethics also provides guidance on how we operate as professionals, the way we practice in our settings, and that our practice must be extended beyond the school walls to serve the broader society. And Section 6.01 through 6.04, it clearly states how our role must include promoting the general welfare of society, the necessity of gauging in social and political action, as well as promote conditions that encourage respect for cultural and societal diversity with the United States and globally to ensure social justice. At the same time, we must remain aware of how societal conditions impact our practices and the clients to whom we work. It is also important to understand that within section titled ethical responsibility to the profession, integrity of the profession. Social workers should contribute time and professional expertise to activities that promote respect for the value, integrity, and competence of social work profession. As we reflect upon these two areas within our code of ethics, we must ask ourselves, are we fully addressing student needs if we are not advocating at all levels of our practice, micro, meso, macro? Today we have a group of panelists who will be sharing their wisdom and strategies to increase our capacity to transformative leaders. Good morning everyone. I am Dr. RC and this is Dare to Soar live from the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. Let me begin by saying First, we realize that we are a tad bit behind time, but we did not want to miss this opportunity with sharing information with each and every one of you that are tuned in. We are going to go through this segment 
and discuss amplifying the role of school social workers to be social justice champions. This morning, I have moderated with me the president of the School Social Workers Association of America, Ms. Christy McCoy, who will be assisting with the questions. Now, with that being said, we want to make good on our time. So Ms. McCoy, please, would you move forward with our next portion? I would be happy to. Thank you for having um, all of us here today, Dr. R.C. What an opportunity to be able to have this really beautiful um, group together to share their wisdom and expertise. And by having the opportunity to dialogue about one of the most fundamental roles that we have as school social workers, and that is, in a, it is related to advocacy. So as Dr. R.C. mentioned, I'm Christy McCoy. I'm uh, the current and brand new president President of the School Social Work Association of America. I also serve as the legislative chair for the Minnesota School Social Work Association, and I've been practicing as a school social worker for the last 17 years for St. Paul Public Schools, serving students and families. I want to make sure um, that you have an opportunity to hear who is with us today, so I'm going to ask each of our panelists to introduce themselves, share um, their current position, and how many years they have been practicing in the field of social work. So Tia, I'm going to start with you. Good morning. My name is Tia Marie Brumstead and I serve as the Deputy Assistant Superintendent for Health and Wellness for the Washington DC Office of the State Superintendent of Education. I'm also the immediate past president for the School Social Work Association of DC and I've had the pleasure and honor of serving as a school social worker and also in private practice setting for 15 years. Thank you, Tia. Next, I'd like us to hear from Dr. Elisa Mesa. Good morning. Um, my name is Elisa. I am currently a community-based uh, mental health clinician in Alameda County, uh, residing here in the Bay Area. I've uh, been a social, school social worker and related to it uh, for the past nine years. And we're also very proud to have um, Elisa as the chair of our Practitioners of Color um, Committee. So we're just delighted to have her today. And then next, I'd like us to hear from Nicole Other Medicine. Yes, hi, I am Nicole Other Medicine. I am a school social worker with St. Paul Public Schools um, in Minnesota. And I specifically work with our Indian education program. So I work with our native students um, K through 12 and I have been with the program for 10 years. Great, thank you, Nicole. And Denise, let's have you go next. I am Denise Rebels. I work department for Metro Atlanta County. I have been involved in social work for 27 years. Denise, we were having just a little um, hard time hearing you. Do you wanna um, try again? Sure, can you hear me now? A little bit, yeah. Okay. My name is Denise Rebels. I am a school social work leader. I lead the social work department for a Metro Atlanta school district. I have been a social worker for the past 27 years and involved in school social work for the last 25 years. Great. Thank you, Denise. Next, I'm going to have Tony Sanchez Romero introduce herself. Hi, yes, I am Tony Sanchez Romero, and I am a clinical school social worker for Albuquerque Public Schools for the past 29 years, and I also am a newly elected instructional coach um, for our instructional council through the Albuquerque Teachers Federation. 
uh, for our role group of social workers and also in private practice as well. Thank you, Tony. And last but not least, Dr. William P. Smith. Dr. Smith, we're not able to hear you. There we go. There we go. All right. Yes. I was muted, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, my name is William Smith. I live in the Chicago area. I recently retired as a school social worker, had been a school social worker in the suburbs of Chicago uh, for approximately 25 years in one school district and five in a different one. I've done community social work, have worked for the Department of Family Services, and have done numerous trainings and advocacy for children with special needs. Uh, currently, I'm serving as a school social worker in the district. As uh, I started, I was covering a maternity leave and decided to stay on because they wanted me to, and I wanted to as well. And I'm also teaching at a university for affiliates on social workers. Wonderful. Well, we just so appreciate having all of you with us today. And as you can hear, we have a wealth of expertise um, with us today. So I'm going to turn it back to Tyrolyn. Okay, listeners, as I stated, um, we are uh, cutting things short or Yes, I will, I'll say it that way, but we definitely want to provide our panelists who've been so gracious to come and share a wealth of information with us. We want to jump right in with everything. So with that being said, um, Ms. McCoy is going to start off the questioning and we're going to move through the process in that manner. So as I always like to say, take your notebooks out and please remember this topic because this is a topic that is going to empower, encourage, and strengthen not only school social workers, but each and every individual that is tuned in this morning because what we are doing across the nation, across the nation, listeners, please hear me, across the nation in this profession, this uniquely skilled profession, is we're changing lives, we're impacting lives. So that title, amplifying the role of school social workers to be social justice champions. So, Ms. McCoy, please go ahead with that first question. Sounds great. So I'm going to pose our first question um, to Elisa and Denise. As you think about um, what social justice means and promoting social justice, can you just share a little bit from your perspective what it means to promote social justice and racial equity as a school social worker? So, Elisa, I'll have you start first. Yes, thank you. Um, so. For me, what we need to do to promote social justice and racial equity, there's two things. Um, the first one for me is to disrupt the status quo in education. You know, we're, we're an institution within another institution, and so we need to disrupt it. And that status quo looks different across our context. And so what I mean by that is choosing funds of knowledge over evidence-based practices. So really, really leaning on the communities that we serve to tell us what they need and to speak for themselves and to really begin to lean on communities that are already doing this work. So partnering with grassroots movements, 
already pushing for this work to happen and partnering and uplifting their voices from the inside as well. So using or partnering with our practitioners who represent the communities that we're serving. And the second one is to disrupt barriers that make it challenging for black and indigenous people of color and LGBTQ practitioners to challenge institutionalized racism in the first place. I think it's really important to understand the barriers to representation. So why there are so few practitioners of color and LGBTQ practitioners and why we often are left out of conversations in guiding our district missions and visions of equity. And finally, um, we need to understand the intersections of education and historical racism to ensure that we aren't just reinforcing systems that continue to standardize success. So that means as school social workers, not measuring our efficacy based only on GPAs and attendance and suspensions, but moving on beyond numbers. Yeah, beautifully said. Thank you so much. Denise, what would you like to add to that? Sure, just to add, talk a little bit about the systems approach to how we work and how we conduct ourselves as social workers and how we collaborate with partners and law enforcement and with administrators and superintendents and child welfare, welfare agencies to make sure that all of our children and families are being treated fairly. And, and that there's not a disproportionate representation of minorities in certain areas where we are being picked on. And our students are, and when I say our students, those students who are more vulnerable, that they're being singled out and being pushed into the judicial system unfairly. And that social workers are in a position to try to help those families to advocate for themselves. And that we're not succumbing to some of the pre-established norms where in school systems, I think there's an unwritten rule about, well, you know how they are. Mm -hmm. And so we treat people based on those types of, of sayings or let's, well, that's a problem parent. Let's see how we can get her out of here. And instead, let's advocate for those parents who are passionate about helping their families. And let's treat those parents who may not know how to express themselves. Let's treat them with dignity and respect and be an advocate and helpful for the, to them. Because a lot of times I've seen that people have wanted to just get them out of the way and send their children to alternative schools because they didn't want to face the fact that we weren't treating their children correctly. We weren't doing the right things for their children. And I think the other piece, when I look at racial, uh, racial equity, it's I think it's part of um, what Elisa said about how our hiring practices and how do I go recruiting people that reflect the population that I'm serving. And so in, in my school district, we have a high number of immigrant families. They speak a lot of different languages. And how do I go as a leader and actively recruit people that speak all the different languages that our children and families speak so that they can respect their culture and they can respect their values and talk to them in a respectful manner. And so I think all of those things go into how do we promote racial equity? How do we promote social justice? Thank you so much. Really appreciate that wisdom and um, both of you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
have given us true um, strategies in thinking about how we really are um, advocating on behalf of our students and our families. So Terilyn, did you want me to do the next question or would you like to take the second question? I'll go ahead and take the second question. Uh, and this question will be directed to uh, Tony and Nicole. What are some of the barrier, barriers school social workers face to engage in social and political action to address injustices? And Tony, if you would probably, if you would go ahead and start that off for us. Absolutely. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Um, New Mexico is not it seems so unique as what I previously thought. Uh, it seems that we are actually facing very similar types of barriers throughout the country. Unfortunately, New Mexico is 50th in the nation for child health and well-being. So we are rock bottom. And um, that speaks to the types of barriers that we currently face in our educational systems. And um, it doesn't seem to be progressing uh, here in New Mexico. So I faced many, many barriers. First and foremost is our poverty. Again, we are also 50th in the nation in terms of many things, medical, uh, education. And so the barriers just compound themselves as we go forward. Um, because of that, our civil rights of students have, have been violated. And it's, it's very challenging to rebuild our systems to more equitable. And we have chronic dropout rates. Um, and again, as, as both Elise and, and Denise talked about, Many administrators uh, are not open to um, changing those kinds of things. So we've had to look at a complete system reboot, if you will, uh, to how we look at families, how we treat families. Um, and it's very hard for systems to change because they're entrenched in the way they've done things. And that only um, adds to the barriers. So it becomes, um, if you will, breaking that good old boy or good old girl type of mentality and um, really engaging families in our education system and standing up for civil rights, standing up even when you're the only one standing up. And uh, that becomes the most challenging uh, throughout our system. Um, and making that difference, uh, even when families are not willing. We also have a very high number of immigrant families who are um, facing multiple challenges. 
and it's hard for them to stand up to systems that are are unwilling to listen, unwilling to provide support. And so it becomes important to align communities, to align our outside agencies in supporting these families when they are facing uh, civil rights violations. So those are some of the factors that are profound barriers to education. Usually we just see them drop out, but we're re-engaging those families because we know education is the most important piece to economic success. Oh, that's what we look at. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. You shared so, so many powerful, powerful uh, little niblets or points during that. Uh, it's amazing that we may be far apart but facing the same issues. So with that being said, Nicole, please share as well. Yes. Um, you know, I really think that one of the, our biggest barriers is ourselves. You know, we as social workers, need to look at ourselves and figure out, you know, how am I overcoming those barriers that are in my way? And I think one of those bigger barriers is fear and fear of going against the norm, um, fear of, you know, repercussions of what your voice might be bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so really making sure that we're putting ourselves in check and we're recognizing how we're feeling about, you know, being that voice for other people. Um, so really being aware of that and making sure that you can create balance. Because I think if you don't have balance within yourself, um, it can be really crippling. And it kind of stops you from moving forward and saying the things that you need to do um, and say in order to advocate for, for those that you work with. So I think really taking a look at yourself. Outstanding, outstanding. Oh, my gosh. You know, I, I'm so... Uh, I feel so full at this point because the information is being shared. We're just getting started. And I, as I said in the beginning, our time is a bit short this morning. But uh, please take note, listeners, that we will come back with more information on this. But I want to keep moving along because I want to get as much in as we possibly can during the time that we have together. So as I share that, uh, Christy, would you go ahead and take the next question, please? Absolutely. So I'm going to direct this question to Dr. Smith and Tia. Could you share with the listeners an example of an individual plan as to how they could really strengthen their impact to be a transformative leader, either locally, nationally, or both? So um, Dr. Smith, I'm going to start with you. It's a great question. I appreciate it. Uh, One of the things that everybody shared a lot of really positive things that school social workers do. One of our positions is a position within a, a host setting. And to that, to that point, what I do or did as a school social worker was establish a social work practice within a school. And in that practice, I identified all the things that I would be doing that would be based on my areas of expertise. So I did training to help staff understand the nuances of students and what their needs are, how those needs can be met, how to forge positive relationships in order to get the best out of students. 
I did work with students to help them to be able to manifest their skills and their talents in a way that would produce positive outcomes for them, not just educationally, but socially and emotionally as well, uh, and providing consultation services to every stakeholder within the system, and then challenging people when I noticed things that were going on that were were problematic for people to succeed. And I didn't challenge them in a way to, to discredit them, but to challenge them to think and, and take on a different paradigm. And, and I don't just ask people to do things that I wouldn't do, so I model those same behaviors. And that's part of the plan that I produced. Thank you so much. Tia, would you like to add on to that? Definitely, and I I so agree with Dr. Smith that you know focusing on our impact is transformative leadership, and that is social work. You know, as a foundational practice, we owe it to ourselves and our clients to prioritize the difficult work of continual self-reflection and to seek support for the betterment of ourselves and the profession as a whole, and to ensure that we are providing safe spaces for our students. I mean, I know even during challenging times like the pandemic, setting boundaries is important for our own self-care, but in doing so, we have to make sure that we are also continuing to prioritize the right things for our own growth. Sometimes I'm too tired to go to another webinar, um, or there's too many great things to fit in my schedule, but it's important for me on a monthly basis to reflect on what's resonating for me personally and professionally where I'm feeling excited and wanting to learn more, and I think even more importantly, where I'm struggling, and choose events and readings and seek communities that are gonna help me in the moment, um, which will always help me be better for my clients. And I think that even if someone is feeling disempowered to enact change beyond their office or beyond their caseload, they still must be responsible as school social workers to find opportunities that help disrupt inequitable practices, no matter how small that disruption might feel. You know, we might start with in our own community, like an IEP team, where we have a student that is not experiencing success and take an honest stock of how the team is engaging the student and how we are engaging the student's caregiver in their own learning experience and to commit to starting from not a place of blaming the student or the parent or focusing on what the student or parent could do more and instead only focus on suggestions that require us as the providers to shift our knowledge, to shift our thinking and our behavior and to commit to holding a student's truth at the front of all decision-making. I think that all those small individual practices, and even if we're only feeling empowered to do so within our small community, that it's our obligation to do so, and that is an amazing starting point. Absolutely. You are 100% right. Thank you so much, Tia. Tara Lynn, back to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I think all of our panelists, um, today for all that they have shared. And I just want to uh, reiterate again, our time was cut short this morning. Um, and I don't like to use the word cut, but it was delayed 
but we refuse to be delayed and in uh, response because when we say delayed I'll use the term a delay is not a denial so we were not going to be denied the opportunity to share this very pertinent information critical information about amplifying and once again take note of that amplifying the role of school social workers to be social justice champions so it's about time for us to wrap up but we will be back to finish this conversation with each and every one of you. I truly hope that everyone tuned in definitely, definitely did get something out of our time together. I thank our panelists so much for being patient as we had a few pebbles that kind of uh, delayed us, but not, did not deny us from getting started this morning. I thank them for coming in some much, much earlier than others. Uh, I thank my uh, moderator who was gracious enough to walk with me as we prepared and planned for this for several months. And I also thank the uh, School Social Worker Association of America because when the idea was brought about doing this, all arms were open. And that's what it's all about. As school social workers and social workers overall, we collaborate. We make things happen for the betterment and the good of those in which we serve. I am going to wrap up and close out, but once again, I thank you all so much for tuning in. I am Dr. RC, the host of Dare to Soar, live on the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. Remember, remember, amplifying the role of school social workers to be social justice champions. I want you to hold on to that ponder over it because there are questions that we did not have an opportunity to get to this morning, but we gave you enough that you would have to put in your toolbox for you to mix it up and stir it around and have some food for thought. You are so appreciated. Take care of yourselves and have a fantastic, fantastic week. This has been Dare to Soar with your host, Dr. R.C. Come take a ride and soar to your highest level possible each week on Dr. R.C.'s Dare to Soar. You've been listening to the BBM Global Network. The ideas, views, and opinions of this broadcast are those of the participants of the program and are not necessarily the ideas, views, and opinions of the BBM Global Network Company. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.